0: Recording in progress. Thank you, Robert. Hi,
1: everybody. Welcome to Future Considerations. Uh, it's been a minute. I feel like um, the off season is weird because it feels like nothing's happening, but it also feels like everything's happening. So we wanted to get together and um, just recap where we are uh, kind of at the beginning of June. Um, this is Eleni, obviously.
0: This is Mike, maybe not so obviously.
2: And this is Dan, obviously.
1: <laughs>
0: Dan's the only one on team hat tonight, but normally yeah. we have like a, a full I wasn't
1: team sure hat I'm not up to get a hat. I had already sent.
0: I'm, I'm doing the podcast from bed, and I'm not. I'm out.
1: also doing the podcast from bed. So <laughs> that's the energy we're bringing you today. <laughs> um,
0: Listen, it's Friday. It's been a long week. Um,
1: so it is Friday, um, July 8th, 2022. And as of today, there are 59 players signed for next PHF season. Um, wh- let's talk about some trends. What are some trends that you guys have been noticing?
0: Uh, I mean, there's a couple trends we could talk about. The one that I think most people have been kind of raising their eyebrows at is an influx of European players, the likes of which we haven't really seen since, you know, maybe 2017, 2018, around there, and really the first year. When you know, we had players from multiple national teams, and so now, um, obviously, there's a bit of a a European thing going on with uh, with the Ribs with with Ben Lahobi as, as a new head coach and bringing Evelina Makanen, and then, of course, you have Mintu Tuomenen on defense, so it's like, yeah, that's like, um. A lot of like Finnish national team from the last couple of years, which is really fascinating. And uh, another trend, um, in my opinion, is that there doesn't seem to be a lot of white caps resigning, <laughs> which is a whole other thing. But, that happened
1: um, last year, too, though? I remember <laughs> like last year we were like, are the white caps going to have a team? Like, do they have enough yeah. players? Yeah, they um, slow-rolled
0: yeah. their signings in a big way. We're all looking they, around like...
1: Yeah, I'm eight. not sure what goes Everyone? on. I, yeah. I really am not sure what goes on. And honestly, I, I the impression that I've gotten is that, like, they're not sure what goes on. It's not like there's, like, this, like... In Boston, there's clearly, like, some big master plan that we're just all not in on, really. Yeah. That's not what's happening in Minnesota. Nobody has any <laughs> <new year> going <laughs> on in Minnesota. But no, the, I have heard the vibe. summers there are beautiful. So that's a plus.
0: There's lakes there, me. There's entire lakes, entire bodies of water. Um, it is very, it is very interesting though. Since the last time we recorded, uh, the the Lev signing, which which Dan had initially reported long, long, long ago, uh, was made official. And honestly, for me, it's kind of gotten to the point of is Lev the last re-signing? We'll see. Like I'm really curious to see how things kind of unfold there in Minnesota because, like. There's, they're obviously bringing in talented players. Like, you look at the roster and you say, these are talented players. You have a lot of players who have Team USA pedigrees and, you know, a lot of players from, obviously, University of Minnesota, which is, like, 80% of the team. Um, but the thing that's been really interesting to me is it feels like, you know, we don't talk a lot about this in professional women's sports just because in a lot of areas we're not at that stage yet. But this almost feels like, A rapid rebuild kind of a thing where they're closing the chapter on a lot of players who built not just the Minnesota white caps and WHL slash PHF fans now, but the players and people who built the Minnesota white caps period, which is really quite a thing to see unfolding and kind of in in my opinion, a pretty unceremonious way. Um, just from conversations I've had with folks, I wish a lot of this was being done with a lot more care and a lot more, um, a lot more respect to players who built the league and got it to this position where we have a $750,000 salary cap. It feels like we should maybe recognize some of the players and people that got us to that stage and not just, you know, obviously you want to build a winning roster, but they're going to be not bringing back very good hockey players at this stage and that's quite a thing
1: it reminds me of in the nwsl this year i think it's this year they've done like something where there's a number of probably somewhere between 10 and 20 og NWSLers sellers who have been there since 2013 Mm. and they're doing a whole thing to like recognize them and like thank them for their work and getting to this historic cba or whatever i don't think we would ever see that in the phf and i think the fact that like i can sit here and say that to you is like not a great look for the league it feels like they don't care um i don't know if that's because there was like this huge like there was like the danny regime and then there was the thai regime and now like i don't fully know what this situation is but i think it is a little weird to see the league kind of eat its own history books, so to speak.
2: It, it's it's interesting to me. Like you mentioned, like Mike mentioned, a lot of European players coming over. Um there's also been some players that played over in Europe that are from uh, over here in North America, uh, like Sydney Moran, for example. Like she was playing overseas. Um, so that was, you know, those kind of signings are interesting to me. And and the few there's been few and far between, but collegiate players um they've they've kind of sprinkled in signings here and it's interesting to me when you see like oh this you know collegiate player is being signed but this player that we know for the last two three four however many years probably isn't going to be signed this year and that's a little bit of because of the lack of teams i think and and the lack of jobs um it's just weird how it's all kind of shaked out um but it's it, it adds a new flavor to the league um, with new faces, so that's that's kind of always interesting to me.
0: Well, I feel like we should kind of call a spade a spade here, in that <clears throat> the PWHPA league didn't happen this off season, so it's it feels like it's not happening next season, right? Yeah, and then, it's not
1: happening in January. Which and, is, and then the, the PHF,
0: yeah, and the PHF expansion didn't happen this off season, and so we went from a market like a marketplace for players where they could vie for playing pro hockey in north america on potentially what like 14 or 12 teams at least and 12. now it's six teams so again <laughs> yeah that's that's a big difference right That's and a big... we don't
1: even know if the pwhpa is going to be doing like because they said last year that that was the last like dream gap tour stop i think
0: yeah well, so is... i don't
1: even know if like that structure it's which different... is not ideal is going to be available
2: at all. This, this uh, fall, don't they have like a training
0: camp or something? Or am I? I have a lot of hubs, I'm sure. They still have their training hubs where they practice together, but I'm not sure if not. they're going to do the, the barnstorming thing again. Um, but the other question is like, you know, the, the barnstorming thing is good. And obviously like they've done a thing where they have a prize pool and all of that, but that's like, again, just being kind of blunt here that's dramatically and drastically different from you're, you're getting paid to play pro and you have a season and you know and it's GMs
1: know that too like yeah GMs will tell you and I've had conversation with GMs before where they've been like look like I can look at a player who I know objectively is very good who hasn't been getting the reps and like the league is getting faster and faster and if you haven't been getting the reps And you can't create that separation. Like I'm can't sign you. And like it it, it happens sometimes. That's one of the reasons sometimes where you're where you'll see like college players come in and get signed over players who um, maybe only played away games last year for for a PHF team and didn't play like like every week is because that that college kid, even if they're out of D3 played top line minutes Every single week for a whole season. And, and I don't think it's really reasonable to say that that person is in a better place to take a step forward in the league than someone who just doesn't have the conditioning and, and hasn't been getting the reps. And I think that really hurts the league. Um but The sport's just in a really weird place. And now you're getting, like, there's been, like, Paige Capistran just retired because she's got a broadcasting career. And that's a stacked team and like, you know, you have to wonder like if they had done a Providence expansion, which was apparently never going to happen, but in a world where that was going to happen, does that change that? Does someone like that get to play another year if they, if they expanded the way they told everyone they were going to expand? Like, I don't know. We'll see.
2: Yeah. You have, you have a few players, I think who's in uh, with this coming season because for whatever reason they've decided to move on or there just isn't a spot left when the music stops and everybody finds a seat. It's just, just the nature of the business at at this point in time. And that's, you know, and the silver lining of it all is that it shows that there is the appetite or the, the talent for more than the teams that we have. And that's, that's the whole idea of this is to continue to, to grow it. And, um, I think we'll, we'll look at maybe later on some, uh, possible expansion ideas or, or locations. Um, uh, we also wanted to talk about, uh, the Boston pride. Haven't released any signings yet. Um, I think, uh, all of us here today know that they've signed some players. They just haven't announced it. Uh, what do you guys think of that strategy? Uh, for me, it's like, I like the teams given those players, at least their a little bit of due and recognition and, uh, their family or their friends can see like, oh, hey, you know, they get celebrated for a day or so or what whatsoever. Um, I don't know about just announcing everybody all at once. It's it's kind of uh, it, it feels kind of lazy. But what do you guys think?
0: I th- I think the pride wanted to be an event where it's their day on social media and they announce everyone all at once. I skew a lot more towards if especially especially in this off season like. Every signing you announce is tremendous PR. Like, it's this player is going to make more money than she ever has before or they ever have before to play pro hockey. Every time for all 22, 23, 25 signings you have, all those are wins. So it feels silly to me to announce it all in one day. Like, when I first was trying to figure out what Boston was doing, it's like, is this because this is like a national team thing? But even the national team, we have, it's a different environment. Like we, we know the main roster and then it gets trimmed down. To me, this is like, like a varsity team in college or high school is like getting pinned to like a message board with like a thumbtack. It's like, if you're on the team, here you are. It's like, I know the players and the coaches. I know Spencer had a thread about players and, you know, he, Like, I know, like, it was interesting seeing how folks reacted to that. And, like, um, you know, we all know there are players coming back to Boston. I just wish they did it the way that every other team does it. It's weird to have one team. I mean, it's one thing alone that, as Dan and Michelle and Lenny all know, uh, we don't even get press releases for every signing. Like, I have to, like, during lunch at work, I'm like, all right, quick check Instagram, check Twitter, any signings? Because we can't depend on that. Now it's... Uh, I just wish it was a little more I don't know uh, I don't want to say professional in a, like a mean way but I wish it was uniform across the league you uh, announced I'm, signing. I'm fine
1: saying that I, I don't think it's intentionally yeah. unprofessional but it looks unprofessional I think
0: it has the vibe yeah.
1: It, yeah it does and part of the reason it looks unprofessional is that I don't think that the social media presence has been professional either and yeah and when you have hired for other teams people who are social media professionals, who are really great good it. at it. And yeah. then you have one team who's really struggling to generate anything. And then making the decision to put themselves at a disadvantage in terms of their presence. It's its embarrassing. Especially for a defending champion team that should literally be hyping their championship every single week. Once a week at least. Like, I just don't think that it shows any investment from the ownership group into the brand. And you can't rely on the fact that you're in Boston and you won the championship to do the rest of the work for you. And it sucks because I think the people involved are all really nice. Um, but frankly, like the players deserve more and the sport needs more. Like we're it's yeah. just not going to grow like this. Um, if you look at other women's leagues and you look at the amount of investment that goes into social media and marketing presences like it is a huge part of the job and it is a massive part of growing a brand in 2022 and there's just no way around it frankly um i'm sure it's going to be a cool graphic when they post it um i think a lot of storylines are going to be lost and we're going to have to go through player by player and tell every single player's story kind of all at once which sucks because there are players signing re-signing who have been there forever they're going to be new players whose stories are really interesting and it would have been nice to give each one of them um the perfect amount of time but i also feel like this has been said and they clearly are not going to change their minds about it so it is what it is i guess i just i don't know i i i wish they understood the disservice they were doing to themselves Mm -hmm. um, in committing to whatever this is and maybe maybe i'll eat my words maybe they'll do something really really crazy um and I'll say, actually, you know what? This was worth the wait. But if it's what it was last year, it's not gonna not gonna blow me away. I don't think.
2: Uh, kudos to uh, Paul Mara. There, he's he's taught those players pretty well. I, I've spoke with a few of them, asked them if they've resigned. They haven't really given you a, a, a firm yes or no answer, but you can kind of read between the lines. Um, I I did speak to Caleb Friesen uh, a couple of weeks ago, and for an article for TIG and. Uh, she said she wasn't signed at that time, so that's something that fans can keep uh, keep their eyes on. Uh, we're going to shift over now to the Minnesota Whitecaps. We touched on them a little bit already. Um, there's a lot going on there. Um, I hate to be the, the person that has to do this and be the bearer of bad news, um, but Audra Morrison, as of today, um, is not going to be re-signing with Minnesota. Uh, she made that decision Um based off of uh, an unsatisfactory offer or sequence of offers. Um, And uh, it was really uh, uh, heartwarming, I guess, would be the right word uh, to describe that she actually reached out to me uh, yesterday, uh, Thursday afternoon, in the middle of the day, and um, just wanted to thank me for, um, you know, everything I've done, helping her career, covering her career. Um, she made a joke about like her parents have saved all the articles I've done on her. And um that, that kind of hit me like right in the feels in the in the middle <laughs> of, of a, a, a random Thursday afternoon. Um, yeah. uh, it it stinks. It's um it's something I alluded to in one of the columns uh last month, um, that she wouldn't be coming back. I didn't think. Um and yeah. she hadn't gotten a, a significant offer. And um that's the reality of it is and I think we've talked about this before, too, with, with Minnesota, like those players' options are a little bit more limited than some of the other players. Um, in Audra's uh, case, she's a physical ed teacher. Um, she just got married. She's planning on starting a family soon, I believe. Um, so she's kind of set up in Minnesota. And um, when you look at her resume, there's no reason why she shouldn't be um, – No. a a top priority to to um to to be re-signed or to be a part of that team it's just it's it's mind-blowing it's weird it's wild um the only explanation that i can really think of is um you know it's it's new people in charge of building the team as far as player personnel and and they want to maybe put their own stamp on things and uh, we've seen we've seen already they've added um uh, some new names to, to the mix. Um, one thing that I have keep getting the vibe of is that uh, possibly Sydney Baldwin might end up as the captain next season. Um, I know they had a, one of their last tryouts or skates or whatever. Um, she basically was like running the show uh, from what I heard. Like she was kind of uh, um, a designated coach or, or leader for that session. Um, so just something for fans to keep in the back of their mind. Um, I do know they have signed some players like uh, uh, I, I think her name is Natalie, Natalie Snowdgross, who played at, at UConn. I believe they signed her. Um, they signed, uh, I actually wrote some of these down so I wouldn't forget.
1: Snodgrass, uh, I, I, I also heard Snodgrass was signing there. Yeah. She played four years at UConn. She's played um, for the US, I think mostly U18s. She's been called in for like the bigger senior camps, but I don't think she's made like a legit roster. Yeah. I, I personally think that's a big deal. They, um, they also
2: added uh, Anna Klein. Um, and uh, I was told Sydney Moore's, Sydney Morin's girlfriend, who I don't know who that is. So if somebody out there more savvy than me can figure that out. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> get on Instagram folks, get to the bottom of it.
2: Yeah. So, um, and, and lastly, um, regarding Minnesota what I found out a um, friend of the podcast Megan Pizan, Uh she actually did get an offer recently um, she's kind of in, in the mode of figuring out if she wants to accept that or not right now um, but there is an offer on the table for her and that came in recently um, but what do you guys think about what's been going on with Minnesota uh, what do you think of the way they've started to build their team um, obviously Lev coming back Curtis coming back um, they have some pretty solid D but what do you think overall uh, uh, of what they've done so far
0: I have a lot of things to say I don't know if you want to go first Lenny. <laughs> no go for it um, I'm pretty frustrated about that news about Audra like I um, there are players who have been in this league who um, you watch them play and you're like this is why the PHF exists Um I think of players like Madison Packer. I think of players like Lev, Jonah Curtis, Audra, like players who are great. They just don't fit into that national team. They're not fortunate enough, or maybe they're a little older, or maybe they had an injury that derailed their development. And then they kind of revisited their development, like all these reasons, like Audra Morrison's an all-star. She's, she's an elite winger. Um, I've been writing about Audrey Morrison since she broke in the league with the Riveters and watching her generate offense from the wing. Like any line you put Audrey Morrison on is a better line. And for a team that is letting her dance reporting, Ali Thunstrom go, like I know they're bringing in a lot of talented forwards and all, but like, if you can't find room for Audrey Morrison and give her an offer that she deems is fair, uh, you're messing up. <laughs> it's, It's not a good look.
1: And it's not just Audra. I think the big thing for me is that, like, nobody that I've spoken to that has either gone to a tryout camp there or signed there feels, like...
0: Valued? uh, Yeah.
1: I don't want to say nobody because I'm sure that there are players that did, but there are also players who signed there who felt like... I mean, they signed there, but they don't feel good. Like, And I just don't know if that's the foot you want to start on. Especially when you were towards the bottom of the league last season. Like, I don't know that that helps anything. I, I do think I'm like mildly confident about who, who Sidney Warren's girlfriend is. This <laughs> is such a weird way to do reporting. But Dan She Michelle it. just
0: raised her hand. There's, there's tea. Did, there's tea everywhere.
1: I don't. So I'm sure she also figured it out because I've taught her how to do this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you find it too? Yeah. I have found it because I taught you how to find it, Michelle. I know. Uh, Ranja Mogren um, is uh, a winger. She plays both sides. Um, they played together in uh, Switzerland last year. Um, she's played in the SD She's followed oh. by the Whitecaps. Yes, yeah, she's her. followed by the Whitecaps on Instagram, which is how you know. Um, she uh, has played in the SDHL last year she had 38 points in 25 games which is pretty pretty good Um, so I'm sure it will be nice to have um, a winger of that pedigree on the team I don't actually know anything else about her or how she plays so I'm not going to pretend to give you a scouting report but that does confirm they have signed um, someone who can play on either side of the wing which I think is really important on the smaller teams Um, with smaller rosters. Um, I know for a fact there are people who, like, straight up just have not gotten responses at all about whether or not there's any interest in signing them. Um, And I will say, I think that Minnesota is really lucky that they don't really have any geographic competition at this time, because if they did, they would probably lose a lot of players to just about anybody else, um, the way that they've been handling their re signings, which is really frustrating because all these girls are so Minnesota nice. But here we are.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I like hearing what Dan said. Like, it goes to that saying, like, Audra Morrison deserves better than that. Um, and, you know, speaking broadly, like, players, these athletes deserve better than that. So I hope, I hope things. Go in a much more positive direction in Minnesota. Like I, I've been looking a lot into these interactions between agents and GMs and, and players and trying to do stuff, helping, helping players where I can with like putting together just resources to help them negotiate for contracts. Cause the reality is the vast majority, like one player rep told me it's like 95%, 90% negotiate their own deals. So it's the minority of the minority who have someone who steps in and makes, you know, the the big headlines we've seen, like the MGMs and Britney Howard, like, they have an agent. Um, Most players don't, or they just have an agent who will consult with them and just try to point them in the right direction. And I think about that all the time, especially with these players who, uh, I got to tell you, Audra Morrison knows what the hell she's worth. She knows what she made on last in last year's salary cap she knows every contract she's made and when the salary cap goes up she knows that she should at least be asking for the same slice of pie like the same cap percentage she made last year that's where a lot of these players should start negotiating and from some of the things i've heard uh folks who are doing these deals with players especially teams minnesota doesn't truly have a gm at the moment um Like it's a situation where they're like, oh yeah, that throw that out the window. Cap percentage doesn't matter. Cap percentage is how everything works in professional sports when the salary cap changes. It is context for when the cap changes. The salary cap, even if we operate with the uh, the the minimum that teams can operate with, nearly doubled. It's three hundred to five hundred sixty-two k or whatever it is, right? Like, of course the cap percentage matters, and of course they know their value. Um, so yeah, I, I, it'll be very interesting cause we're going to, it's, it's a new, it's a new white caps team. Like we're going to have a couple of holdovers, but for the most part, it's going to be 20 new players or something insane like that. So, um, and kind of like Eleni said, it's, it's an interesting look for a team that when they lost one of the players who it sounds like they didn't do a great job negotiating with, but who did come back, Lev, um, what do you have as a team that lost its, its goalie and then. This, this team in Minnesota that has all this talent I can pull from Minnesota, they had a really hard time finding goalie depth and goalies they felt comfortable starting in games. And that's, that in and of itself, again, quite a thing tells you a lot about what's going on in Minnesota. So I hope things get better because those players deserve it. Fans deserve it. All that good stuff. Like I said, I had a lot of thoughts. <laughs>
2: Speaking of teams that were going to look completely different next season, uh, you can add the Metropolitan Riveters into that category. Um, I, As of now, I believe they only have three returning players signed, maybe maybe a fourth. I think it's just three of these, just Packer, Cornine, and Babstock. Um, I don't really foresee anybody else coming back. Um, that means they have a bunch of new players and they have some new goalies. Um, yep. They, they went the international route for the first goaltender, and then they went the local route for the second goaltender. Um, I don't know much about either goaltender, so I'll leave that to you guys. But I do want to add one thing. Um, I thought it was a big move for them to get a player like uh, Kennedy Ganser. Yeah. Um, late of late of the Bucs. She played last season with Buffalo. Obviously, it was Buffalo draft pick. Um, and that's kind of like uh, what we were talking about earlier. Um, where there's only cer- certain amount of spots now, right, yeah, right. on these teams, and the lack of teams out there, um, I think that's a, a great move for the Riveters because there was obviously no room left for her in, in Buffalo as a as a center. Uh, you bring in MGM and and you have you bring back Cass Mac uh, Cassidy McPherson, um, and they re-sign Grace Kleinback. That's that's their three centers right there. That's yeah, they're going to play the bulk of the of the games at center. So. Um, I, I think we all kind of figured maybe Ganser would shift to the wing and you could have MGM and the pandas and it, it sounds really sweet and, and everything like that. But it's, it's, I think it's a good move for the Riveters. Um, they're, they're going to, you know, that's a team that's going to have a, a, I'm sure at the first couple of practices, they're going to be wearing name tags because it's going to be a lot of, Hey, I don't know who you are. I've never played against you before. Um, or I've maybe only watched you on TV. Um and, and let's get at this thing. So it'll be interesting. What do you, what do you think about what they've done so far?
1: Um, I think the Ganser signing is huge for them. Um, I think the biggest challenge they're going to have is developing chemistry because you're going to have some teams like Boston that are going to be probably not entirely the same, but much more similar. And Connecticut is going to be very similar to what we were expecting. I think a lot of Toronto too. Yep. Um, the and so the I th- it's going to be a huge challenge for Minnesota and for the Riveters and probably for the Buttes to click because otherwise, you know, you're going to get points stolen from you at the beginning of the season while you learn how to communicate with each other. But um, I love the look of the roster as it stands right now. I think it's really interesting. I am curious to see how Babstock's style of play translates when yeah. you have – the kinds of other players that have been brought in, um, I, I say that with the utmost respect. I just think that it's a very um, when when you have some really fast, silky hands type players, you you have to be really careful about giving them a line mate who plays a little bit slower and harder, and um, not leaving the separation between, you know, line mates that can cause problems with turnovers and stuff. So I'm curious to see how the rest of their forwards fill out. I wonder if that will give us some clues as to what the lineup's going to look like. Um, I think that, um, Rachel McQuig, I'm so sorry if I'm saying that wrong, um, who is the goalie they signed out of Princeton. I think that's a steal for them. Also. Um, she's an Ontario native and, um, probably could have challenged for the backup spot in Toronto if she really wanted to. She had really impressive numbers at Princeton, given how difficult that conference is. Um, her last two years, she, she was above a uh, 0.93 save percentage her last two years at Princeton, which is nuts. Um,
2: not too shabby.
1: Yeah. She, and she's not particularly tall either. So to have those numbers is really, I think significant. And she also catches left, which um, is my favorite. Thing for a goalie, um, personally, but um, so I'm really excited for them. I think they're going to be able to platoon those goalies really, um, really impressively, and really not have to worry much about which one of them is yeah, in net on one. any given night, which is super important with back-to-backs being how they are.
0: Yeah, I'm very so far I'm very optimistic about how the Rivs team is coming together. I think they're they're set net. Although I'm I'm of the opinion every team should roll with three goalies. Um, I just think it's kind of crazy not to have that uh, that safety net and having a third goalie who you feel confident in going in a game, which ties back to what I was just talking about with, uh, with Minnesota and Lev's injury. But, like, McQuig is, like, a, a little trick I do when I look at, with, with goalie stats in college is, like, what were your stats like? How did your team do? When Princeton was winning a lot of games, she had, like, a 9.33. When Princeton was losing more games than they won, she had, like, a 9.38. Like the context of performance is big there, and Spencer was tweeting out her goal save above average. This is like, this is a goalie who can be a starter at the pro level, and she's going to be competing and sharing the crease with with Evelina Makinen, who, like, one of the most fascinating things about her is you have Nururatu, you have Miri Raisinen, and you have Annie Kysila. Like over the past. Five, ten years, all three of those goalies are like top goalies in the world. So Makanen is one of those goalies who kinda gets left out of the picture in the conversation. But she's really, really damn good. Um, you know, she's at the stage in her career where she wanted to try something different. She's been with a really successful Brunis squad in the SDHL, and now she's coming over here. So maybe she's looking to keep her career going. And you know, we saw we saw Lovisa Burson come over last year and you know, might be something to see as these goalies, I see of an opportunity, and they have you know uh, you know that pedigree and experience. Um, the only thing I will say about the Ribs roster thus far is very curious about the blue line because uh, Dan and I had a lot of conversations in and outside of Newark about that defense, and I feel like you know you have Minsu um, you have Taylor Marchin. If Eva Berglund, um, very curious to see how it continues to shape up because I feel like they need they need another one or two players who can really be comfortable like top four D. So I'm curious to see if they're going to be aggressive trying to just round out the roster because that, that was just really obviously their weakness. Um, and the last thing I'll say is it's it's interesting that Brook Waleko. It seems like there might be. A disconnect there and whether or not she's going to be back in the picture here or where she'll land um i just wanted to say i think purple lake is a great goalie um and that she should be playing pro at this level so i hope something um an opportunity owns up but as i've been saying uh lenny a, as a fellow member of the goalie union goalies are just better than the rest of us and the thing that stinks so much about this is there's really not enough musical chairs for goalies, especially in the pro game. And it's also
1: I want to clarify because I, I think I made it sound like I don't trust right-handed goalies when I was talking about. <laughs> and, They're and just fun not, that they I want have to different hands. That's handage. not true. Uh, that's not true. I don't know why I said it in such a weird way. What What I mean about having two left-handed goalies is that I think that right-handed goalies are at a disadvantage in women's hockey more so than in men's because of the speed of play as opposed to men's hockey, which is usually slower um, because you're slowed down by hits. And women's hockey, there's a big focus on skating. Um, I just think that it sometimes makes me nervous for them in a way that it Mm. wouldn't for men's hockey. Um, But I wanted to clarify that. Yeah, I mean, I think we should have an all... I've said this before. We should have an all-goalie team, and they should just all get to play. It's really hard because I think goalies, um, especially in this market know that there's not enough spots for them in a way where like you can make room for a winger or maybe you're usually a center and you're like well i could play wing and then you're fine like it just doesn't work like that um and and the decisions that are being made about goaltenders are so nuanced in terms of like it's it's a relationship thing and and i think in in women's hockey, at least in the PHF, there's only a handful of players where you're like, if this person isn't on the first line, that's probably not going to go over great for the situation. I think that goalies, um, coaches have really strong opinions on which goalies are starters and which goalies aren't. Yeah. And players don't always agree with the, the choices or the, the decisions that players, that coaches make based on what the coaches are seeing on tape or what they think players are capable of coming out of college, or um, and and which goalies you're signing also changes depending on what defense you're planning on putting in front of them and all sorts of other things. It's a really, really difficult decision to have to make, and it's a really difficult decision to watch people have to make, Um, and it's hard to just sit here and be like, well, like, I guess I'm just excited for all of them. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm sad. Like, I'm there's people that I, I know aren't going to play this year that I, I'm going to be sad about. But I can tell you that no matter what happens, the quality of goaltending is getting better every year in the league. And it will continue to get better as the league continues to get faster. Um, and there's going to be a hoedown throwdown over who's going to be goaltender of the year this year. because. The ones who are signed are really, 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 really damn good goaltenders. And that's without even knowing for sure who's going to be starting in Boston. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's,
2: it's uh, you know, goaltenders, there's only so many spots. Um, I, I'm not necessarily on board with every team should have a third goaltender. Um, I think maybe you have a, a third goaltender on speed dial. Um, just well, you're not engaging. in the goalie union,
0: Dan. Of course you don't think that.
1: No,
2: I'm just, I'm
1: I agree just with saying. Him. I agree with him.
2: <laughs> First of all, there's only two nets when you're at practice, right? I mean, if you have a third goalie, she's not getting too much work in. Uh, if she's dressing for games, it's maybe once just as kind of like a, a nice gesture because you obviously have – or unless somebody's sick or hurt or, or, or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I think I look at it like we have – the goalies that are signed are really good and they're going to play the bulk of the games. Yeah. Um, you kind of just need your backup to kind of just support them and play. And five, spell them
0: when they need it. You know,
2: five oh, five I get it. Teams. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's an interesting discussion with with only six teams, obviously limited spots. We need more teams. Uh, so let's make that happen in the future. Um, speaking of goalies, as we transition to, to Buffalo here, um, Buffalo has a new goalie, as we kind of alluded to. They, they signed Cassidy Sauve, um, who had kind of ridiculous numbers. I think she played in Finland last year, right? Um, it was like 8-0 or something.
0: Pretty good. A pretty good goalie with an unbelievable collegiate career. Um, so that's
1: huge. So that's
0: also huge. Also huge.
1: Yeah, she was she was she had eight she went 8-0 and 0 last year with a .964 save percentage, which if you don't know um and you might not is is not normal. <laughs> that's, that's
0: that's not that what, that's not what humans do. No.
1: Freak numbers.
0: Yeah. It, it, it and the
1: she theory. also played at Ohio State and Clarkson in undergrad yeah. and never recorded except for her first season, never recorded below a a .93 save percentage in two different conferences behind two completely different teams playing 30-plus games. Like, I mean, I just... Frankly, I think it's insane that she has not been called up to Team Canada since UA u Like, I just don't... I know that they have good goalies, but, like, this is, this is an abnormal level of talent for a goaltender. Um, and I think it's very cool that they signed her.
0: Yeah, she's in her prime. She's going to be, I think, like... I know people are really heartbroken, uh, boots fans with losing CJ Carly Jackson. And I get it. Um, you know, a special person and a special player. But when you look at, you know, you look at Cassidy Sovay and you look at the decision to bring back Lola Bernson as, as the backup, the veteran backup who's feeling better after her surgery. She feels like she can really have a full season now. And, you know, this is. An opportunity to have a goalie who, you know, I think my commentary on Carly Jackson is I think she's good enough to be a starter in this league, but she's still a developing goalie. I think Cassidy Sauvay in her prime right now. Um, and that's a win now, goalie for
1: sure.
0: That's a win-right-now goalie. And they just signed MGM to a one-year 80K deal. This is, we're getting our goalie that can get us to the championship game. Um, CJ was brilliant because she was the goalie. Like the Buttes have no business being in this game and Carly Jackson is keeping them in this game. They've had that goalie. They just rebuilt the team. They need the goalie who I'm going to carry this team in a, when we're playing the whale in the playoffs and we can trade punch for punch with them. And when there's a breakaway or we're shorthanded, which was the Buttes biggest weakness last season, in my opinion, like, their PK was a mess. If you look at CJ stats, like it's uh, so many of the goals she allowed were on were on the penalty kill, and it destroyed her stats. Because if you look at her even strength stats, awesome, awesome goalie, like on on par with Lev. And um, but they want that championship goalie. Cassidy Sove is really capable of being that goalie. So um, Michelle just noted like they need that McLaughlin performance, and like yeah. Uh, it wouldn't yeah, hurt yeah. to have, and that's, that's the sort of goalie this Cassidy Sovay can be right now. Like on paper, like I love Carly Jackson. Cassidy Sauvay is a better goalie than Carly Jackson. So, um, just in terms of what she can bring night and night out on a team that's going after a title, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that CJ can't get to that level. I think she can, but it's real tough when, like we've been talking about, there's only so many spots in this game of musical chairs and goalies as Lenny knows, how do you develop? You need to see shots. You need to get, that's that's how goalies get better. They need to see a lot of shots, which means they need to be on the team and practices, which is one more reason, tying back to what Dan said, like, two nets, you gotta make sure your goalies get reps, so um, very interesting to see the beats come together. They're almost done. Like, you look at this team, it's like, yeah, you guys got, like, three lines, you got a lot of D, like, a couple players signed for two years, this is a good team. Um, it's wild that they're this far along in free agency.
2: Before last season, uh, Nate and and Coach Raya for what it's worth too, they both said, you know, we're we're done with this. The buttes of the the lovable losers, like we're, we we want to win. And last season, that didn't come to fruition, right? Like they, yeah, they were still kind of perceived as like the the fun team. Um, and everybody loves CJ, and everybody loves this, and everybody loves that. But at the end of the day, this is a business, right? They don't they don't play hockey just to hang out and make friends. Like they, it's a competitive business. You want to win. You want to be the best. And um, Buffalo didn't that that didn't happen for them. So when they went into the off season, it was do we want to be the the fun team that goes five and sixteen or whatever it is, or do we want to? Oh, MGM wants to come play for us. Bet, let's sign her. Cassidy Sove wants to come play for us. Let's sign her. And to have ownership, be like, all right, you can do this. Let's go forward. And I mean, you know, that, that like you, you kind of said, it's a, a win now uh, kind of uh, yeah. vote for them. And and they're with those two players. They're I, I look at them and I'm like, they're they're already better than they were last season. Like those are two upgrades over, um, you know, in positions that they didn't really have. They didn't have a lot of scoring, and they let in a lot of goals. And I think both those two moves kind of help out both, uh, yeah, both both aspects for them.
0: So we kind of covered a bunch of roster updates. Um, also, some off the ice stuff happened. Uh, we have a new head coach in Toronto who. Uh, I guess you could say it's kind of a big deal. Another hockey hall of famer involved in the Toronto six organization. So Geraldine Heaney is their new head coach. Um, the third woman ever to get into the hockey hall of fame from the ranks of women's hockey. Um, you know, an, a brilliant, brilliant offensive defender, um, who was kind of like years ahead of the curve in terms of the way we view offensive defenders now, like defenders who join the rush and everything. Um, I'm very curious to see what she does just because I love Toronto's young blue line and they really brought back most of it. They recently brought back Soraya Tinker and Lindsay Eastwood who are both awesome players. My question is like, it doesn't, like Heaney has coaching experience but I don't know how in tune she is with this league and with these players. So that'll be a big, a big thing where I'm curious what they're going to do to put Support around her on the rest of the bench, which I know they've already made some moves um, to round out the coaching staff. And, you know, if, if you want to find some untapped potential in players like Lindsay Eastwood and Soroya Tinker, uh, like maybe the best offensive defender to ever play women's hockey is not a bad place to start. Um, but like the thing is, like they got a lot of offense out of the blue line last year. So I'm very curious what this translates into is maybe just fresh perspective on offense and fresh perspectives on how this team can take it to the next level, because we watched them last year. It was an amazing team. They fell short, though. Do
2: you think it's weird that they've had
0: now three head coaches in three seasons? Uh, Yes. I think it's weird, and and it's... like You know what, Dan? They're the new team, but they gotta do what all the other teams did, which is, like, new coach every year, turnover, turnover. Um, Yeah,
1: I feel like it feels weirder because the other teams are more established but
0: yeah
1: i mean the the pride went through some weird shit before they got to where they are remember thomas um, poke oh yeah i remember
0: <laughs> thomas poke
1: so i i i think that i feel good about this one this feels like something where like this is a very informed decision of who we are putting a head coach yeah um she was a defenseman Um, I think that defense being an an important part of the offense is going to continue to be a thing for this team, given that she was above a point per game player everywhere she went. Um, My favorite fun fact is that she was born in Northern Ireland, which is the coolest thing ever. Um, She did play for Canada, but I just think it's fun. Um, I I like it. I actually, I feel good about where the six are right now. Um, I, I, you know, you'd think... For a team that loses MGM in the offseason, you'd think that you would be noivest for them. But I'm yeah. not. I'm actually not. That not at all. Serious.
0: And that's the and, weird thing. And that's
1: kind, of um, that's kind of fun. I think that's kind of fun. I think it'll be interesting. I'm excited for them. Um, I know that um, Elaine Chuli does not love to play back-to-backs. Um, I'm sure there are very few goalies that do. Um, but i think I think we are going to i know that people express concern that cj they weren't going to see as much of her this year. I would not worry about that. I think she's going to play a lot. I think that truly operates best when she's not carrying you know seventy five percent of the load, eighty percent of the load. Um, I don't know whether she played so much last year partially because of the way the coaching staff felt about their backups or or whatever, but I would really be surprised to see her shoulder that much of the load this year um i'm really really excited to see um what cj does behind a very 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 different um defensive structure um i don't think she has ever played behind a team like this before um she was facing a crap load of shots at maine and somehow even more of them with the buttes and i think you may see a very different cj this year behind a team that is really really gifted at um moving the puck out of their own zone um and my personal wish list for her is that i think the way she handles the puck she could get a goalie point this year so let's make it happen if you're a toronto six player listening to this podcast that's your that's your goal this year it's a score goal off of an assist from carly jackson wasn't it could it, be a secondary uh, assist that's fine
2: wasn't it eastwood who scored i think twice coming out of the box last season yes,
1: yeah that's how we're doing it that's the game plan
2: so just just keep looking for somebody coming out of the box, TJ, and you'll you'll pick up a point there.
0: Eastwood's hard to miss coming out of the box. Which is a tree on skates, but yeah, I mean it's 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 a fun it's it's fun to see, like this past offseason especially, like legends of the game are are being drawn to the PHF, which is which is obviously a big part of the discourse of. Like, where's the national team support? Where's USA Hockey support? Where's Hockey Canada support? So, um, I mean, there's obviously subtext here, right? I mean, it's, it's an interesting development. Um, and then uh, we have a new GM of the Boston Pride, which is someone who's not unfamiliar to the team, which is Maddie Rigsby. So um, for those who don't know, Maddie Rigsby was the team's equipment manager a couple of years ago. So she's very familiar with the team, it's players the in and outs um there's a lot of discussion about like how does an equipment manager become a general manager um which i think is a fair question but i also think we should be mindful of like not destroying someone's moment in the sun something they've worked really hard for um but like every gm on every team does something different like there's a lot of game day operations that are fall under the purview and the responsibilities of general managers and being a general manager in sports, we often think, oh, they're the ones who sign contracts and make trades. Well, that's not necessarily the case in the PHF, and that's an important important distinction to make, um, but it's, it is obviously hockey operations. It's an important position, and the Pride probably had an opportunity to hire a lot of people. They went with someone they know, kind of like promoted from within, so um, congratulations to to Maddie Rigsby, and another, another new chapter for for Boston. I mean, this is a team I mean, you look at the results they kinda, it feels like they know what they're doing so <laughs> I'm
1: yeah, a, I think, I'm definitely I think definitely
0: not going to take any shots at this
1: The big thing for me is like there we cannot bang the drum about player welfare and like making players feel safe and like building a league that they want right. and then like someone gets hired that the players all know and love and now yeah. we have like You especially can't be in a situation where you're like bitching about nepotism and then someone who legitimately went from playing as a goaltender for a D3 school in the area, worked her way up through being an equipment manager and became a GM is like suddenly not good enough for you because she didn't work for Hockey Canada or something. I don't really know exactly what people think they're looking for. Um, I I will say that I do know her. She will not remember me, but I I had some friends on the team (laughs) when she was in college and I have spent some time around her. Um, She is a lovely human being. She is so kind um, and the players love her and they trust her. And um, for a league where you're not trading people in the middle of the season, which is a big part of being a GM in, for example, the NHL, I don't really see why this isn't a great idea. I think the most important thing in a GM... And we were just talking about Minnesota where the players have had trouble feeling valued and incorporated. You're not going to have that problem here. You're not going to have a relationship building problem with a GM that they all know and trust and feel that they can come to. If God forbid something happened on that team, you know, who's going to hear it. The GM's going to hear it because they trust her. So I think it's kind of corny to be complaining about this. Um, And if you have complained about it, you should know that. I think you're corny and everyone should <laughs> focus on the things that are real problems in this league because there are plenty of them.
0: And then he's opening I cans of it. corn here. I love it. I, love, it. I like, love corn. Speaking broadly, like think of it like this way. Who knows more about game day operations than an equipment manager? Nobody. If you've been to a PHF game, I'll tell you something. Someone who works very hard. Equipment managers. They do literally everything. I've seen equipment managers carry, like, very tiny human beings carry things that i'm like i don't want to pick that up that looks ridiculous and then like they're going to grab food they're going to get bags in the, in the bus we got to get to the bus we have a deadline like these are people who are organized motivated like you know i tell you one thing someone who the players trust who's going to work their tail off for you it's not a bad hire so um it's it's good to see like i'm i'm glad that we're seeing this i think we need to see more of this like i know i, I remember having conversations with dan and Erica um, years ago like when we started to see some players end up behind benches every now and then, like assistant coaches like Marissa Gadman, um, players like was it Dan, like uh, was it Sidney Roosler in Connecticut where it's like Johnson. Yeah, I want to see that happen, like Stretch with the Revs, like Kelly Nash, and then she got this new opportunity at LIU, which is amazing. It's like, that's what we want to see. We want to see these recognizing talent from within giving that talent opportunities developing that talent and then there's the p- people who are the most qualified so I don't know I think it's good news um, but no that's really all the major stuff like a couple of season coach coaching hires around the league so yeah we also mentioned earlier that you know there's still teams like the Whitecaps looking for GM so there's still spots around the league where roles have to be filled and you know it's another part of the off season. as it happens a lot especially in women's sports in the phf is positions need to be filled team identities change leadership changes but uh that's all we're going to cover for this episode because uh there's a lot going on and we want to make sure we give time to other important things going on um there's a lot of dust settling with other things going on shall we say but uh it's been really interesting to see these signings unfold and see these new identities for some of these teams emerge um any parting words any dan
2: uh, I just want to say thanks to all the fans that have been listening. For we're up to episode nine now. This is this is pretty wild that we've been able to make it this far. Uh, that means the next one is going to be number ten. So we got to have something really special for that. Drunk? Uh, no, no, no pressure now. No pressure on us. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, seriously, thanks to everybody out there that's been listening. Uh, this has been really fun to sit here with two of my friends and um, talk about hockey. And and we've gotten some. At least I know I've gotten some feedback um so that's that's been pretty neat and uh hopefully we we do something that you enjoy and and we present it in a way that's um enjoyable for everybody and um everybody out there read the ice garden support uh women's hockey support your your women's sports um do everything that you can to to help amplify them and and spread the message of, of what's going on here and they should
0: Couldn't subscribe to the title nine newsletter shouldn't they Eleni? That's
1: right. <laughs> I'm not gonna plug that on this podcast. I think you should subscribe to every place that's covering women's sports consistently and not just when bad shit is happening. That's what I think. Amen um, to that. Yeah. I, I'm t- I'm telling you, I'm tired of it. You're going on the corny list. I'm gonna start making a list <laughs> of people who are corny and and you're going on the list. Um <laughs> I would apologize for calling you corny, but honestly, if I said something about you today and then called you corny, I'm not sorry. Um, but if you if you have questions you'd like for us to address on a future episode, if you are a hockey player and you have thoughts or feelings or memes or funny stories that you would like to tell us, um, you can DM at least me. I'm not going to you to go into other people's dms but i feel confident that any one of us would be happy to chat with you um we love your feedback thank you so much for listening to us um go team go Go team. team
2: thanks for listening everybody